Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode of my podcast. So this one is going to be a solo cast and I'm going to tell you a little story today about my trip to Sedona, Arizona. And my goodness, was it a big story? I mean, I was there for 11 days. I traveled without Ian, without the dogs. I kind of went on a little pilgrimage to discover myself and my soul. Um, my mentor calls it a spirit walk. And essentially, I unzipped this mask in this physical form to experience myself and my soul. And so today I've been waiting to tell this story because it is a big one for me. And it's, um, I wanted, I was a little nervous because I wanted to be portrayed um, in the way that I experienced it. So I was actually a little nervous to hit record today um, because it was such a big, profound experience for me. And when I share these things with you, it doesn't, you don't have to be on the journey with me necessarily in Sedona, but the things that happened to me and that I experienced and the realizations I had, I do feel like were very important and not that you have to be there with me, but maybe me telling you this story um, will spark something in you and will help you realize and come to your own epiphanies. So it's very important. And, um, Oh God. And I think I might even read a little bit from my journal because I was going through just to refresh all of the little nuggets that I, that happened. And, you know, when I wrote these in the journal during my trek to Sedona, this was when I was right in the heat of the magic. And so I might read a little bit of this to you. Um, yes. And so I, the reason why I went to Sedona, let me just start with that, is because I'm part of this fellowship slash coaching program slash amazing spirit container called Fit for Service. Um, Aubrey Marcus is kind of the lead, the attention, like the, you know, he is sort of the one that brings everybody together and God, he brings together the most amazing human beings on this freaking planet. <sighs> And I totally, you know, if anything came out of this, I mean, the, the connections I made with, with this tribe were incredible. Um, so that's, that's what led me to Sedona. And I went up I, and the summit was only four days long, but I went up for 11 days. So I went up early and had my own little experience that was totally separate from the fit for service group. And you know, I am 31 now. And when I was 30, when I turned 30, COVID was at an all-time high and I wanted to go to India. I wanted to go to Peru and do ayahuasca. I had all of these big plans for my 30th birthday. I wanted to go do something brave and fun and, and soul searching. I didn't want to have a party. I didn't want to do anything. It wasn't about that for me. It was, it was more about me becoming like a woman and, and stepping into my, my power. And I wanted to really explore that. And I felt like going to India or going to Peru would be something that would do that for me. And I didn't get to go. And I was really like super bummed about it because I was like, this is it. Um, and then India shut down, South America shut down. Everybody was afraid to fly and get COVID and all of this stuff. So I didn't go anywhere for my 30th birthday and, or for my 30th first. So I started to save up birthday presents. And I'm like, listen, everybody, when it's time for me to do my thing, I'm going to go, I'm going to know when it's right. And I'm going to go and nobody is going to freaking stop me. <laughs> 
so I waited for my birthday and then Christmas and then 31st birthday and then Christmas. Um, and then this, this came into my experience and I'm so happy that everything worked out. And I guess, so the universe started orchestrating this for me before I even signed up. So I've always, always wanted to go to Sedona because of the typical stuff you hear, right? Like it's the energetic capital of just the U S and it is now that I've been there, if it, it was amazing. So I've always wanted to go to Sedona and I was cleaning this last year. I cleaned um, my stepmom's real estate office and I had this job uh, at a vacation rental at a beach house, which I loved. And um, I went every single Saturday for the whole summer and then I would clean this. So I saved up my money. But while I was cleaning, I got the chance to listen to my teachers, which were number one, Ram Das, and number two, Aubrey Marcus. Um, and I loved Aubrey Marcus because of the way that he is in the world. He's not afraid to talk about fitness and biohacking and mindset and plant medicine. And that's something that is very prevalent in my life. I really I love nature. I love plants. And I don't want to be afraid to talk about these things. So when I saw him doing his podcast, interviewing people about all of these different things, I was really like uh, inspired because he's out there doing what I want to do. He's holding the vibration I want to hold in the world. And so I really um, was inspired by Aubrey. So I started to listen and he has this thing called fit for service. And so I looked into it and it was like, oh my God, it's in Sedona. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to apply and see if I get accepted. And I applied. I like wrote my little heart out in the application because this, I felt like this could be my trip that I've been wanting to go on for two years. And then I got accepted and it was just like, yes. <laughs> and I didn't know at the time I didn't run conscious champion yet. Like I had no idea how I was going to pay for this because it's not the cheapest program in the world. Um, and for good reason, it's totally worth every penny, but I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. And then I started to run another conscious champion and God, this has been like such a good conscious champion for me. <sighs> I just feel like a different me, a different leader after coming back and, you know, I left and did real estate. And then I came back and now I'm coaching again. And I just have a whole new purpose and a whole new everything. And so this, you know, these last three or four months have been really transformative and eye-opening and feel like I'm really stepping into my soul ass purpose. <laughs> God, and it feels so good. Um, okay. So good. I went through the coaching program. Everything is working great. And then boom, it comes time to go to Sedona. Well, I'm looking at like the little schedule, come to find out one of my favorite artists is going to be there, Porangi, Porangi, however you want to say it. And he, I listen to him every day. Like I put him in my yoga playlist and just, and then Yaima, she's also, so like this whole trip just started to feel like I manifested the shit out of it for like two years. And, and then, and then I get there and then it's like, oh my God, this whole thing. I mean, I know there were 200 other people there, but I literally think I manifested this. And, and it was all orchestrated for me and for my lessons. And I, and I kind of hope everybody had the same experience, but I totally did. So that was just a little preface for you to let you know how important this trip was before I even went. And I think what I want to start us off with is a poem that I wrote on the plane ride home. 
So I wanted to integrate all this 11 days of just me being uncomfortable and sleeping outside in a hammock for the first time ever for four and forever for four nights. Um, So this was like, I put myself into really uncomfortable situations. I traveled away from Ian, which I have never done in like, you know, since I was bodybuilding. So for the last five or six years, and um, I really, really went in search for myself and for God and for spirit. And I'm much closer now than, than before I left. So, so I was on the plane ride home and I was starting to write Instagram posts because I was like, you know what? I want to get ahead of the game. I want to keep this magic hot. And so as I started to write this one, it started to rhyme. And I was like, excuse me, but does a poem want to emerge? And it did. And so, okay. Okay. And this poem encompasses the whole trip for me, like piece by piece. And so this is going to be the overview. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the journey um, as we get into the podcast. Okay. So here we go. Enjoy the journey, they say. Hands up and enjoy the ride. A journey through the red rocks of Sedona and the plants start out as my guide. Everywhere to go, everything to see, but nowhere to actually hide. A journey through my life's biggest questions. Who am I really and what am I here to do? Well, buckle up, buttercup, because the only way out is through. A journey to the heart to remember who we really are. The ants so small, the mountain so big, the tribe right here, and even the ancestors from really far. A journey to the place in us where we can't give a damn, where we can't find a fear. That place where we look in the mirror and realize we are the magical blue deer. A journey into my own breath, getting high on my own supply. Don't you see you? Don't you feel your power? Open your eyes and spread your wings. It's time, little dragonfly. Talking to my highest self, feeling my I am presence and what I now know to be true. Remembering my infinite nature and the fact that I am me. I am God and I am also you. A journey to heal my wounded masculine and feel my essence as divine feminine power. I am a sensual goddess, a noble queen, a desert rose, a blooming exotic flower. A journey holding the hands of bright-eyed little me. A journey through time to see her, to love her, to set her little heart free. A journey into my body through music, song, and the ecstaticness of dance. I moved my body like never before. I closed my eyes and took a chance. A journey to the wild and free that really is undomesticated me, you see. Remember who I am. I am the coyote. I am the river. I am the you. I am the tree. I am energy collapsed. And at my core, I am the infinite singularity of me. A journey with a tribe and somewhere, somehow, we've all been here together before. Each one of us a reflection of the other, a portal, a mirror, a wide open universe door. Oh, what clear intentions can do to a journey or a trip. What would you do if you knew you had one rip? One rip in time, one rip is this you to become something, to shine something. Oh, the infinite things you could do. Would you love? Would you serve? Would you remember what's true? 
Would you find a tribe or a mountain to climb? Would you run away? Would you numb yourself and hide? What's that one thing you would love to leave behind? Enjoy the journey, they say. Hands up and enjoy the ride. You are the one you've been looking for. You are the guru, the chosen one. You, my darling, are your best and only guide. Remember these words and remember what's true. For this is about my journey through Sedona, but I'm walking home with you. The end. <laughs> oh God, that brings me just the magic just explodes in my heart when I read that poem because it reminds me of exactly where I was and and I'm always a little, little a little nervous to share it because it's it's something near and dear to my heart but that is that is what happened my friends and I hope that you resonate with that because it's not just true for me it's true for everybody okay so here we go let me just take a little sip of my cacao that I just got in the mail yesterday I'm so excited to play with this and I actually made this last night and I guess it has some stimulants in it. I probably should have read a little bit more about it. I mean, I knew it was cacao and there's Theo Brown wine in it. And it's a little bit of a heart opener. It's a lot of bit of a heart opener. So I made it last night and I turned on some documentaries on Gaia, my favorite show ever. My favorite like is platform. And I'm watching all this stuff about plant medicine. And I am like a little kid on Christmas with my cacao. I have on my plant medicine sweatshirt and I'm watching all these documentaries about ayahuasca. And I am just like, just freaking in it. <laughs> so yes, here we go. Mm. So good. Okay. So I go to the airport. It's super early in the morning and Ian drives me and before the sun is up. So I'm in the airport. Finally, I get through security and everything. I'm ready to go. And the sun starts coming up. And it's a beautiful sunrise. And one of the challenges in Fit for Service was something about contemplate on the sunset and the sunrise, like what comes up for you in those moments and what do you have to, you know, what is it, what does it bring up for you? And I was like kind of upset because I didn't have a chance to really uh, sit with this, with this practice yet. And because I was in a rush getting ready, you know, I'm up late packing, putting everything in my suitcase that I don't need. And then, so then I'm, I'm getting coffee and behind me, the sun starts to rise. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually get to do this little challenge. And so, um, I start journaling when I am on the plane and I want to read this to you. Cause this is going to set the stage. So as the sun, just picture it, this like beautiful orange, amazing sunrise coming up. I'm at the airport. So much newness ahead of me. A new dawn is breaking. I can feel it and I haven't even gotten off the plane yet. Traveling without Ian and in the dogs, leaving our cozy little home honestly feels so out of my comfort zone these days. And I'm headed so far away that I'm in a different time zone. Tonight, I'll get to spend my first night camping in a hammock under the Sedona stars. And La Loba, the spirit of the desert, already has a surprise for me. A cool 40 degree desert night. And this is already turning out to be quite the experience. So the hunt is on for sleeping bags and blankets, and I'm up for all of it. Also, I'm fasting and will continue to do so for the rest of the day. Um, so at this point, it had been two days of fasting because in the morning is my first ever ceremonial hike with San Pedro, aka Wachuma. 
a plant medicine, if you don't know what that is. Um, so I'm getting ready to experience the medicine and I and feel and get to know the desert. I feel very calm and at peace and no resistance at all, just alignment. And of course, with anything new, there's a little extra sharpness and mindfulness, um, but no bad feelings. My intentions for this trip are as a whole are to see who I really am, to discover what's in the way and to become myself fully and to get a little bit more free. And so I'm hoping San Pedro will drop some hints for me as, and will drop some hints for me as well as connect to another aspect of the spirit of the earth, the desert. I am ready and open to receive the wisdom of this cactus. I feel safe and connected to the shaman already. And he said, this will be one of the most beautiful things I experience on my trip. And that fasting is unnecessary, but the medicine will reward me. And that is giving me strength to continue fasting. He picks me up tomorrow morning early and we start the hike. Saturday and Sunday are free days, but I just get to do Conscious Champion. Um, and then Monday, I link up with the girls that I will be staying in the Airbnb with. And Tuesday, Summit begins. So that was on my plane ride over and I was so excited. Oh my God, it's 111 as I'm recording this. What, what, what? <laughs> Alive and sauce. Um, and so then that's, that's kind of the setup of how this trip is going to go for me. The first four nights I'll be in a hammock, which I loved by the way. I mean, I can't even tell you how much I loved sleeping in my hammock and yes, it was cold, but I was bundled up in my sleeping bag. I had on layers. I had a little hood and like this big fuzzy thing. And if you check out my Instagram, you'll get to see it. But, um, and the full moon was the moon was getting full above my head. I could hear the coyotes in the distance, and I could, the cactus were below me, and the fresh air, and it was just awesome, magnificent. Actually, I think about setting up my hammock every night now that I'm home. I'm like, and today it was like 55, and it's a beautiful fall day. I might just go set that up. <laughs> um, okay. So now I'm, I'm, we're driving into Sedona and it's dark. And I was a little upset because it was dark and I didn't get to see the, I've heard that the drive from Phoenix to Sedona is absolutely beautiful. And I kind of missed it because we drove in overnight, but you know, the next day on the Wachuma hike, I find out exactly why it wasn't time for me to see Sedona in that light. Okay. So and you know, it's really cool. I linked up with this girl, Mallory, who I just love. And she became like my little buddy. She was on my same flight coming to, to Phoenix. And then we drove up to Sedona together. She was the only other person hammocking with me. So we stayed next to each other in the hammock and just became buddies. The whole, and the, just to see the alignment of that and how beautiful it was to have her with me. And just, we connected and talked and laughed and, um, yeah, it was just, it was so great. And I think we both felt a little safer having each other with us as we just did these uncomfortable things in the desert. <laughs> um, okay. So about the, the Wachuma hike, I am contemplating reading this to you because everything was just so beautiful. And it's, and it's kind of like a little story. So just maybe, maybe cozy up somewhere. And I'm going to read this to you as if I was reading, uh, a story. Okay. So to sum it up, wow, like literally, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> um, so the universe started constructing this a while ago. Like I said, the drive up to Sedona. So it was kind of bummed because I heard the drive up was amazing. And 
I had been fasting since Wednesday night. So getting to sleep was a little hard. I was hungry. I was, I was nervous. My heart rate was actually really high because maybe, maybe because I was fasting, maybe because I was dehydrated and maybe because I was just so excited for my big day the next day. And I had about five hours of sleep in the last 48 hours. So by the morning, by the time the shaman came to pick me up, I was really raw, overtired, hadn't eaten, excited, and just ready to go. Uh, and so, so he picked me up and we start, we go down this new road because we thought we were going to get to the, to the hiking spot quicker. And we take an ATV road and luckily he had a forerunner, but I mean, when I tell you this was a bumpy, like we were climbing these rocks and the whole SUV was like sideways and then going the other way. And I was like hanging on, <laughs> you know, this was um, quite the experience for me. I don't really go off-roading. I mean, I have a Jeep, but it's not something that I do. And so this was like even treacherous for him and he's used to this. So, you know, I was already at 6.30 AM, the sun's not even up yet. And we are already on quite the adventure. Um, but it's really cool because it helped me build trust in him. So before we drank the medicine, it was like building my trust. And I was the only one from our camp that went, this was an excursion I planned totally aside from anything else I was doing. Um, and I was just kind of this brave little soul going on my search. <laughs> um, but coming up, my first glimpses of Sedona ended up being in ceremony on the hike on the top of this beautiful mountain and I was overlooking I think it was Black Rock Canyon that might, that might be the wrong word but overlooking this beautiful canyon and now I start to see oh, okay universe I see why you didn't want me to see Sedona driving up no no you had you had bigger plans for me and I thank you for that Okay. And so I went with this other group and there were five other people there with me and I loved them. They welcomed me there. I didn't feel awkward. I just, I was kind of the odd one out, but I didn't feel that way at all. These people felt like friends that I had known forever. <laughs> um, okay. And so basically we start the hike, we get there, we start the hike and we set up our first altar. And I loved that we set up altars because it made it so sacred and so special. And I like to honor stuff like that. I like to honor the directions and the earth and the everything. So we set up our first altar and we honor the fire element because the sun was rising and the fire within us, the desire that we have. And then we were served the medicine, Wachuma, this beautiful cactus that didn't taste very good. Um, Yes. Yeah, so we had, so we, so we drank the cactus, we spoke our intentions and mine was to discover a little bit more about myself and what's in the way so that I could live fully. And then we started our hike. So we hiked, we sat, we hiked, we sat, and that's kind of how the whole journey went. Um, and then we sat, so we found this beautiful, this beautiful part and the medicine started to kick in. The guide, the shaman started to play his drum. And my mind was wandering off and on. And we were all very much in our own place and time. I found my face, my, 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 I found myself laying flat out on the earth, like a big starfish looking up at the sky with the rocks of Sedona below me and just, just holding me. And so the drums were going and I could feel the medicine rising with the intensity of the drums. And then we set up our second altar, and this was to honor the water. 
So the medicine was full force. And he said, this is the time where we really go within and we begin to ask the deeper, more meaningful questions. Like, who am I and what am I here to do? Which were exactly my intentions. And what is this all for? And he took out a feather and blessed us with water. And it was gorgeous. I could hear the flapping of these bird wings, almost as if like a bird was blessing me with water. And then I reached out to touch the water, to feel it run through my fingertips and to just thank the water for all the things that it does for us. And it, it was cool that we got to connect with water because lately I've been thinking about how we are water. We're made up of mostly water and so is the earth. And I wonder, that's an interesting correlation for me um, and how it takes on different properties in our body and in our mind. So for me, body, water within our body needs to be moving right? Because if you look at stagnant water, what starts to happen to stagnant water is like disease and then things start to form. And I feel like that's very much the same with our bodies. If we're stagnant and the water in our body is still, then like disease and, and things start to get stuck, like energy gets stuck. Our blood doesn't flow as good. Like we're not as well oiled of a machine if we're not running. But then in the mind, if you think about water, stillness is what we want in the mind. And I love this quote that says, um, you can't see your reflection in moving water. So if you think about, if you think about our mind and the reflection, it's just a beautiful thing how when we close our eyes and when we still our mind, we can actually see and feel ourselves reflected back to us. But if we're always moving and thinking and going, then we never get a chance to stop and feel that. So water, water has been very interesting to me. And then where does water play in the spirit realm? And so for me, maybe water is the spirit. Like maybe that's it. And it takes on different things and does different things in different, different roles in our body. But so yeah, anyway, water's been on my mind. <laughs> so it was cool that we got to connect to it. And then, okay, so we pack up and move again and we stop again. And I, be, I, we stop, I'm looking at these mountains and they look like drip castle mountains. I don't know if you've ever done drip castles as a kid, like in the sand, but that's what Sedona looks like to me is like Sedona drip castles everywhere. So I'm sitting, looking out at these mountains and I'm staring at them and I start to get frustrated. And I'm like, frustrated with myself. I'm frustrated with the mountains for some reason. And I'm frustrated with the medicine. And I'm like, I keep repeating over and over in my head. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? What am I here to do? What's my purpose? And I just kept saying it for like five minutes, just like on repeat, just frustrated. And almost thinking that if I got frustrated enough, the, the, the medicine, the universe would be like, okay, would you shut up? Here's your answer. And that didn't happen. But what did happen is our guide pulled out his acoustic guitar and thank the universe he did because the music was just absolutely beautiful. And I started to kind of forget about my frustrations. So he played a couple songs. Some of them I've heard before. Some of them were medicine songs. And even though I didn't know them fully, they felt like truth to my soul. I can't explain the feeling of these Spanish songs that I didn't know the words to, but at this moment in time, they felt like truth to my soul. And he actually played some Coldplay, like Fix You, which I love that song. And so that leads me to the next part, which is when he really started to get into the music. 
So we move our spot and we go to sit in the, in the sun and we're sitting there and he pulls out his guitar again and he starts to play literally my favorites, my favorite Spotify playlist. And I mean, when I say my songs, what I listen to in the car, when I'm in my Jeep, I listen to Spanish medicine songs. And I also listen to Sanskrit chanting yoga songs. That's what I listen to. So if you ever want to know, I listen to that kind of stuff. And I listen to tribal, like Indian, uh, like liquid bloom and Porangi and like stuff like that. So I don't listen to, I don't listen to the radio, but that's what I listen to. And that is what the shaman played. I mean, Baba Hanuman, Vuela con el Viento. Uh, he also played, uh, like on a can remember all of them, but I was like, did you, I, I like stuff after he, when he was done with one of the songs, I was like, did you like, look at my playlist? And he's like, no. And I'm like, are you like, it's freaking me out with the songs that you're playing right now, because I listen to them daily, um, daily. So I was sitting there crisscross and everybody else was laying down. And I, and this is why I think this was all orchestrated for me because I don't think they knew any of these. I mean, some of them were Spanish, so they knew the words, but like they didn't know the Sanskrit Indian chanting songs or the Spanish medicine songs that I have been listening to for years. And I know all the words and I know what they mean, um, but I'm not Spanish or Indian. So it's just crazy that he picked up and maybe he was picking up something or maybe he listens to the same stuff. But when he was playing, and singing and, and playing his acoustic guitar. I was swaying back and forth and there was literally no better sound in the universe but what I was hearing. And I was in the sun, the Arizona sun, which later burned the shit out of my face and gave me blisters. But so it was kind of chilly up there, but the sun was out. And so I was sitting up listening, swaying back and forth. And all of a sudden, my frustration started to melt away from me. And I forgot that I was frustrated. I forgot about my questions. I forgot about everything. And I just wanted to be in, in his guitar. <laughs> I just was in sitting in there like a little thing. Um, and so, okay. So then finally it ended and I was like, no, like don't, but we had to go to our next spot and set up our next altar. And so oh, when we did, this was one of, this was, I, they were all my favorite. I can't even say one of my favorite, all, but this was one of the most impactful times in our journey. So this time we start to honor the wind. And so he pulls out a flute, which is another one of my favorite instruments is a flute. And I'm going to learn how to play one now, but it was so cool. I, like I could see the intention behind every single step every single thing that he was doing, I could see why. And the flute was because we were honoring the air and you play the flute with your air, with your breath. And so now it was time for us to give an offering. But before that, he told the story of Wachuma. He told the story of Wachuma and like, this is like a mythology story, right? So I'm just going to give you a brief thing. And I'm totally not a good storyteller like he is, but this was the this story stuck with me for the rest of my 10 days here in Sedona. So great spirit. So great spirit is out there and great spirit is sort of the, the, the great mystery, you know, the universe basically. And they're all great spirit is talking and they're like, how are we going to get these humans to realize their divinity? Like, what can we do to show them that they're divine? 
So Great Spirit comes up with this idea and they're like, we're going to create this beautiful, magical blue deer and put it in front of them. And if they see it, they're going to remember that they're also divine. And so this is the way Great Spirit thinks, you know, not the way we think, but the way Great Spirit thinks, which I love. Um, and so the humans see it. And, you know, in the story that the shaman told, the humans, what do, what do they do? They try to kill it. Of course, they try to hunt the freaking beautiful, magical blue deer. Oh, it makes me so sad that we still do this. But they don't kill it. Thank God. But they do wound it. And so, so there's little little like blood splats from the deer and he runs away and he's safe and he lives. So great spirits like, well, shit, we gotta, we gotta come up with a new idea because these humans are not getting it. So they grow the cactus. They grow the Wachuma cactus out of the blood. And so humans, what do they do? They eat it. They experiment with it and they eat it. And by them taking this cactus, they realize their divinity. They touch a part in themselves that feels divine, that is divine, and they see the divinity all around them. And what I can tell you from actually eating this cactus is that that is the damn truth. That is what you feel is your divinity. And that's what you see all around you is that. But the, the story of the blue deer impacted me so much. And I just had this image of this beautiful blue deer standing there. And, you know, I kind of like stories. I like mythology. And so this really stuck with me was just this blue deer. Not that the humans tried to kill it. That's not what it's about. It's about the deer. Okay. And so I get my answer. Who am I? And what am I here to do? I get the answer. I'm divine. I'm divine like the blue deer. That's it. We all are. Okay. I, and that's what it is. And what am I here to do? I'm here to help other people realize that they're also the blue deer. And so it was all about remembering. And I never wasn't divine, but I forgot. We all forgot. Somewhere along the way, we come into this, we come to the earth knowing that as children, right? Like they know that they're like something special and they have no walls. They have no conditioning, but somewhere we forget, we forget that we are divine, that we are a miracle and that we are a child, a peace, a light, a spark of God. And so in that moment I heard, and I, I felt the remembrance. I felt that I am that. And what I am here to do is help everybody else. Remember that too. And when you hear these words from me, I hope that you feel that. I hope that you remember that. And if you know that, wouldn't you treat God different? Wouldn't you eat, move, pray, look at things a little differently if you knew that you and everything else around you was sacred? because it is, and somewhere inside, we just forgot that. So, so things started to click for me. And, you know, it's funny because for me, I see God in everything, in the plants that I, in, in plants and nature and water and people. I love to meet people because I love 
to feel and see their divinity. When I started to learn about namaste uh, from, you know, yoga teacher training, I really started to feel it in people like the light in me bows and honors the light in you. And that is so true for me. And I see, and that's why I love nature so much because I see nature as divine, divine intelligence orchestrated in just this beautiful display that we get to see. I see God in the ants and in the birds and in my dog and in everything. But the one thing that up until this moment, I have not seen and connected it in was myself. And I don't, and, and for me, I've had, I've had issues with self-worth, with self-esteem, with whatever. And when you realize that you are everything that you love, like this nature that I love so freaking much, all these little creatures and these animals and these ants and these cows and these pigs and these dogs, all of that is me too like me too, and you too. And, and when I started to make that connection, it was so beautiful and so impactful for me because I was like, oh, I am that too. I am made up of the wind and the earth and the fire and the water. Remember the water element? Like I am that too. And everything I love outside of me, how could I not love me too? So boom, everything started to connect for me. And I was like, holy crap, here we go. And then even my purpose, my purpose even became more clear too. And it was like, that's what I'm here to do, right? Is remember who I am and to help you remember who you are. And I'll let the universe guide me to how I'm supposed to do that. I don't need to worry about the how at all. I just need to worry about the what. And I'm going to let the universe take care of that. And maybe it's in conscious champion. Maybe it's in me doing this podcast. Maybe it's in the, the, the Instagram posts I make, or maybe it's because of the conversation that I have with the person at the grocery store, but I am here to look at them like they are God because they freaking are and help them remember it. So, yeah. So, so you guys, that was, and so remember, so remember that word, remember, because it keeps coming up through my whole experience here. Okay. So I'm just going to let that go for a minute. And that kind of circles back to my intentions for this whole Arizona trip to see who I really am, to discover what's in the way and to become myself fully. I am free. Yes. And so then it, now it's my turn to make the offering. And so I take a couple corn kernels and sacred tobacco from the bag. And I go up to this arrowhead rock and I'm kneeling down. And I'm overlooking this canyon and I begin to pray and I begin to thank, to give thanks, to thank God, to thank the earth. And right now I'm offering to the earth. So I'm looking down at mother earth and I had just ingested mother earth a couple hours ago with the cactus. So I'm looking at mother earth, thanking mother earth on the medicine of mother earth. And I begin to weep. And I mean, when I I couldn't even control the tears coming out of my face. I was so thankful in that moment for her beauty, for her blessings, for her medicine, for her children, for her patience, for her compassion for us, for, for our houses, for our paper, for our healing, everything that she gives us. I was thanking her for with these little corn kernels and just my tears of gratitude. 
And there was no emotion in this whole journey for me until this moment, until this moment of gratitude. And I had just felt a glimpse of, of the answers that I have been so that I have been seeking with so much frustration. I felt them and I thanked her and I saw her as a being, as Pachamama, as Gaia, as, as a, a living organism, which she is. And I thanked her for everything that she gives us. And I hope, I hope that, I hope that next time you look at her, you see her. and all her beauty and everything that she is because she's so much more than something to walk on and something to build on. She's so much more than what we use her for. And if you start to look at her like a mama, like the, like the big mama, where we all come from, we're all made up of nature, everybody. Hello. We're all made up of her. We are children of her. And when we die, we go back to her. Oh my God. It's just, it, I go, I just, I love it. So I'm weeping. So I'm looking at this beautiful Canyon, eating the medicine, drinking it, everything and thanking the earth. And then I, I look at this tobacco and, and these little corn curls in my hand and I take a big deep breath in and I blow them and I watch them fly away over the rock down into the canyon and they make their way down. And in that moment, I'm reminded of Simba in The Lion King. I don't know if you if you know this movie in this part, but he lays down on the cliff, almost in frustration. And then like his breath and these, this grass and this power and this magic just sort of floats away out into the ether. And then it goes to meet Rafiki. But that's what I pictured in that moment was, was Simba and setting that out into the universe. <laughs> um, okay. And then, so I go sit back in my spot with my tears and my wet face and my answers and my gratitude. And then the shaman begins to play the flute again to close down our air altar. And then we go and we set up our last altar and we set up, and this one's about the earth and honoring the earth and how, you know, a little bit about what I just said, but how we are a miracle to be alive. Like you guys, every single one of us on this earth is a miracle. Don't you know that and feel that I didn't until this moment but our DNA and the way everything is orchestrated is intelligent. DNA is so intelligent and so overlooked and over um, and overlooked and nature and plants are absolutely intelligent. I mean, if you've ever seen, what is it? The secret life of trees or fantastic fungi or anything like these plants are super smart and they have their own personalities and they have their own way of communication. And we're here to be in synergy with them. We're not enemies. We're not against them. We're here to work with them and they're here to work with us. And it's all a miracle. Okay. Where am I going to go next? Okay. And the life, like scientists right now are just now kind of starting to prove and look into spirituality and the light and the love that animates us and that animates the earth. Um, and it's like, light, life, God, miracle, consciousness, it's consciousness. And there's a consciousness in you and me and the plants and people and animals. 
in the animals, they're conscious and they're alive and they're sentient. And so I'm looking at everything as this miracle. And so the shaman says, like, basically, if you knew everything was a miracle, this earth, you, wouldn't you treat it different? Wouldn't you walk a little differently and treat your fellow human a little different? They're not so separate from you and I. In fact, they're, they're the same. We're all humans. We all have eyes. We all have hearts. We all have minds. And, you know, separation is the greatest illusion that we have. Yeah. And we're, it's funny how COVID unified us and then it separated us. But maybe if we can remember the unity and the fact that we're all human and it doesn't matter what we decide and what we choose to do with our bodies, we're all human, all on the same earth, under the same sun, with the same life and same consciousness. And we're here at this earth, we're here at this altar honoring the earth because when we die, we go back to the earth and then it's everything is recycled again. And then so we're done. I get blessed with this, these beautiful rose petals that go over my head. And then I go give an offering to the earth and I leave a prayer for the people who are past and the people who couldn't be here with us. And in that moment, I was leaving a prayer for Ram Das, my teacher. I was leaving a prayer for Shelby, my teacher, who was there with me. All these people are here with me in spirit. I was leaving a prayer for my mom and for almost like all the people following me on social media, because I wish each and every one of you could have experienced this day. And the reason why I took the time to tell you this story was because if you close your eyes, maybe in a way you could be there with me and maybe you could take in these lessons because um, they're so beautiful and so important and they're, and they're not just my lessons to learn. They're everybody's, they're universal lessons. And so that basically concluded the ceremony and we began to make, make our way back down the mountain to where we started, back to our cars. And I am just kind of in this cosmic giggle because I'm like laughing at this point. I'm like, this whole thing was orchestrated for me. I mean, I know these other, and I hope everybody felt this way, but like, Literally, even um, the shaman picking me up at the camp, our bumpy ride, me building trust in him, the people I hiked with, I could see how all of them were perfect aspects of me. Like there was the, the two people that were together, I could see their love and their care and concern for one another, how they kind of like had little inside jokes with another and then one of them was the brother, the older brother was there. So I could see the older, the older sibling. I could see the athlete. I could see him protecting his little sister and laughing with her and crying with her. And then there was like the quirky one, the, the one from LA who was a little bit different, but didn't care and didn't identify with this or that, but she was just in her own little world and was so beautiful. And then there was the caretaker, this, this guy who was like Persian or something, but he looked out for everybody. He even gave someone his sweatshirt so I could see the caretaker. Um, and even the shaman, I could see myself in him. I could see myself as a teacher and as a guide and as somebody who is so connected to themselves and to the earth and leading other people through this. So I was going, and, and then the songs, I was laughing my way down this mountain at how perfect this was from the fact that I didn't get to see Sedona until the moment I was in ceremony and on top of this mountain until the bumpy ride and the people I was with and how it was just for me and all these, my favorite, 
favorite freaking songs were played acoustic and live like oh god like woof it doesn't get much it literally doesn't get much better than that um so I was just seeing how all of this was orchestrated for me and it all made sense like why I didn't go to India and what if I left after this ceremony I would have been good to go literally good to go <laughs> um so yeah so I made it so then we are the shamans driving me back to my campsite and I'm so grateful. I was the only one that got an extra 30 minutes with him coming and leaving. And during, during our trip, he, somebody pulled out marijuana and offered it to him. And he said, oh no, I can't touch that. I work with ayahuasca. And he didn't really go too much more further into that, but because like I could tell he didn't want to like put the kid on blast or anything like that. So when we were in the call, car together, and some of you know a little bit about my story, but marijuana has been one of those things for me, like a 10 year journey for me. And I have been kind of wanting to kick it. And I haven't got to be honest, I haven't really been able to kick the habit. And, and for, for maybe some, you know, 10 years ago, it was fun and it was serving me and it wasn't an everyday thing. But since then it's grown into this everyday uh, dependency, habit, addiction, whatever you want to call it. And now I know it's not serving me. In fact, before this trip, I would smoke and be like, Fuck, I don't even want to be high right now, but I am because my habit and my physiology wants to smoke this right now, but I don't actually want to. So I'm in the car with him and I, so, and I go, all right, what up with the weed? What up with the cannabis, with the marijuana not liking or ayahuasca not liking marijuana? Can you please expand on that for me? Because, and that was another kind of underlying thing that I, another underlying intention that I had for this journey was like to kind of like get some clarity around that. So he tells me, and he tells me about how marijuana came from India and in, in India, they used to use it in a sacred way. So they would use it, you know, for the yogis to get into their body and they would use it for meditation to get into their mind. So again, it's a plant medicine and it was used for something very sacred and ceremoniously. Whereas here nowadays we use it as a nightcap. We use it to numb ourselves. We use it to escape things and we use it kind of as an everyday thing. And it's totally out of ceremony. It's out of sacredness. And it's, it doesn't even have an intention for me. It didn't. And so as he was saying this, I mean, he was speaking right to me. I'm like, fuck, that's me every night I smoke it. And I don't even really want to, but it's a habit. And for a while it was a numbing agent. It got me away from the problems that were going on in my life. And I didn't care. It helped me numb all of the stuff from, you know, quitting bodybuilding and everything like that. And even like I smoked during bodybuilding, but at that point, you know, it was, it was getting me into my body. In fact, very much so. So I don't want to, it wasn't, it was fine. It was fine then I think in a way, but now it's, it's in my way and I can feel it stopping me. And it's not the plant. I don't want to demonize the plant, but I want to demonize the way that I was using it um, kind of as a dependency. And when I would tell myself, take a break, I couldn't like, I would say, okay, you're not going to smoke tonight. And I literally couldn't even get past one freaking night. And that is my issue. And that is the same issue he was talking about. And so he was saying that ayahuasca doesn't like marijuana because of that issue. And he, he tends to have a really purgy ayahuasca trip when he does that. So 
that sat with me in a very big way because plant medicine is something I want to explore. I don't want to say that it's something that I want to necessarily teach or lead. I mean, if my path ends up in me being some sort of facilitator or guide or shaman, I would absolutely love that. But for now, it's for me to be a student of and for me to go on my own journeys and do my own self-discovery. So it's about me being a student. And in that moment, ayahuasca, wachuma, both of these were teaching me about marijuana and my tie to them. And I've got to say, since that moment, I have not smoked and it's been I don't know, about three weeks since I've been in Sedona. And I feel pretty good about that because for me, I needed something that was bigger than myself to help me get over this. And so that was a little, uh, a little hidden intention that got uncovered on the ride back to my camp. Um, so yeah. So that was, that was the, that was the, that was my journey um, with Wachuma, with San Pedro. And I, I'm planning to go back and sit with the shaman for ayahuasca because another thing I was looking for was to find my teacher, someone I really trusted. And I really, I watched the way he moved. I watched the way he prayed. I watched all of the intentionality behind everything. And that is the person I want to sit with. That is the person I want to learn from. Um, and so I found my teacher, I found a purpose, I found answers to my questions, and that was to remember. Yes, in the blue deer story. Okay, so that was a, a huge, big, long story, but I've got to tell you, everything else after that was a little less potent, but it, it touched on every single aspect of that journey for me. Okay, so. Now, a couple of days pass and we start the summit. So this has nothing to do with fit for service, that story, but now we start the summit and it's opening night, okay? It's opening night and it's time to do an ecstatic dance. And this was super, super beautiful. I mean, so Aubrey has this band and it's with him and Violana, his wife. Um, another guy who I forget his name, but then it was Amani from Liquid Bloom, one of my favorite art DJs or artists, whatever you want to call them. And then Porangi, who I also love. I mean, love, love, love so much. And they're all on stage playing live. Aubrey's reading poetry, Vailana singing, and everybody else is making their freaking amazing, sacred, awesome music. And I am just like, am I really fucking seeing this right now? Like, is this for, somebody pinch me because I must, I must be dreaming. Um, and then, okay, so then we're dancing, but I dressed up for this, you guys. I had on this black see-through kind of lace leotard, my black boots, I had on a black kind of shawl, and then I had on my headdress. And if you've seen my Instagram, you've seen the headdress. And I got this witch doctor headdress before I left because I wanted to dress up for a static dance. And I felt so free with my headdress and my outfit on, and I was dancing to the music and it felt 
just incredible. And if you guys don't dance on a daily basis, put on some music and just move your fucking body. I don't care who's watching you, but just move and dance because in that number one, are you becoming free from judgment and who cares what you look like? Um, because the people judging you want that kind of freedom. Okay. And because it, it starts to move the energy and it moves everything in you. So we're out there, we're dancing, we're outside. And then I can't even believe this happened above these beautiful flat red Sedona mountains starts to rise the full moon. And it was the biggest moon. I have, we, I felt like I was right next to her. I mean, just to see it start to rise over these mountains was the most, I, it stopped me from dancing and not many things can stop me once I'm in the flow, but this stopped me. And our whole group was howling. We were howling at the moon as it was rising as we were static dancing, listening to my favorite artist, And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And thank you, God. And I am God in this whole, and everything. <laughs> it was the most, and I'm like, oh my God, this is opening night. Like this is just getting started. So yeah. Okay. So that was pretty much it. We, we danced and then they, they sat us down and we went into some breath work. And during the breath work and the meditation, I started to cry and just the tears, happy tears, as I was meditating, were running out of the corner of my eyes and it was tears of freedom. And I could feel myself. I could feel myself. I just slept four nights in a hammock. I was so wild and I felt so free. I was dancing in my headdress. Like, I don't care who's watching me. I don't care what I look like right now. And I was crying tears of freedom were running down my face. And I needed that. Everybody needs that. And it's been a why it's been a very long time since I felt like myself. And I felt it and I felt free, 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 crying tears of freedom down my face. And it was amazing. Okay. So then the next day we start the soul wander and this is something I am going to implement. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about it. And I hope that you, this is like a practical thing right now. So you can probably go out and do this in your own backyard or do this wherever you are, because it was something that was so impactful and so beautiful. And, uh, the woman, her name was Anahata who led us. And if you don't know anything about Sanskrit or chakras, Anahata means heart chakra. And so that that's her name for starters. And then we start this whole day in silence. Everybody quiet, 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 no talking. And the first thing she plays was Ram Das. And if you know me, you know Ram Das is my teacher. He is my guru. He is my dude. I love this man. So he, so she starts off playing this and he starts off talking about how we are the trees and we are the wind and we are the water and we are truth. And we are all this stuff. It blew, it's on uh, Spotify with East forest. I think it's called truth or something. So anyway, that's how the day started with Ram Dass. So of course I close my eyes and again, crying. Um, and she starts talking about playing small and how we're not here to play small and all of this stuff. And so we're in silence and she says, okay, it's time for the soul wander. Everybody, we're going to send you out into the desert for two, three, four hours. I'm not going to tell you how long, but we're just going to send you out and you go and you find your teacher and your teacher might be a rock. 
It might be a dried up little piece of plant. It might be a grasshopper. It might be a cactus. It might be the big, beautiful red bear, bear mountain in front of us. It might be the sky. So you go out and you sit and you find your teacher. And once you find your teacher, sit with your teacher and learn. What is, maybe the rock has to teach you stillness. Maybe the tree has to teach you patience. Maybe the cactus teaches you protection or letting your guard down. So, okay. So, so she sends us all out and we go. And I'm like, really excited about this because you guys know I like to connect to nature. So I was like, finally, I get some time alone with Sedona and I'm going to go do this thing. So I'm walking and I'm all excited. I'm like, what tree am I going to connect to? What mountain am I going to talk to? And so, um, you know, everybody's starting to scatter and we're all alone in silence. And then I hear this bird squawking and I feel like he's calling me over. So I say, okay, Mr. Bird, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to go to where you're leading me. And so I head right for it and I see my spot and it's, there's a clearing, there's a tree right here, just in case I want to go for a little shade. And there's a big, there's a mountain in front of me. So there's nothing blocking the mountain and there's a tree right next to me. So I hurry up. So nobody takes my spot. Cause I'm like, the bird told me this is where I go. So I get there and I walk around and I'm looking at the tree. I was like, okay, where am I going to sit? And then I look down and there's a skull, a skull. And you know how when you look at something and you know that one's for you, you don't really want it to be for you, but you know it's kind of for you. That was this for me. Uh, I look down and I'm looking at the skull and I'm like, shit, that's my teacher. Essentially, death is my teacher in this moment, which scared the shit out of me. Um, because death is something I don't really think about very much. It, it scares me, especially to think about my own death. So I'm here in front of this white bone skull like this, and it's the jaw of an animal. It's not really the, the, the top part, but it's the jaw. And I can see the molars clear as day. And then, you know, the teeth and everything. Um, and so I start to think about my own death for the first time in my life. I start to think about my death and I start to think about how when I leave, I want to be given back to the earth. So I'm like, okay, so this is exciting. I start to think about what, how I want it to go. I want to be offered back to the earth. And I know it's like, it might be like illegal. I told some people this and they're like, well, it's illegal to bury a dead body, but I want to be buried. I want to be given back to the earth. I don't really, I don't really want to be burned but I want my bones to be given to the animals and my everything. So it's okay. So I don't want to get too graphic, but I want to be offered back to the earth. And then I start to think about how we are not this shell. We are not this shell and this mask that we wear. We are so much more than this shell. We are spirit and we are soul in a shell. So I'm looking at this, at this, at the shell of this uh, animal. And I think about how, Although this animal has left its body, its spirit is still here to teach me something. It's still teaching me this energy. And so I think about what do I like? I start to think about like, what do I want to be remembered for? So, you know how we started off our whole thing with Ram Das? Well, Ram Das is no longer with us. It's been about two years since he passed, but his soul 
and his teachings will live on forever. I mean, people love Ram Dass. I think they're starting to get more turned on to him now than when he was alive. So I start to think about how we leave these shells, but we leave our essence behind. And so I start to think about what is my legacy? What do I want to leave behind? And at this time, remember I told you I got really sunburnt on the Wachuma hike. I, I started to break out in cold sores. My, my lips, my face was so freaking purple sunburnt and my lips blistered. It, I got the worst outbreak of blisters and cold sores that I ever, ever have had on my face. And I was embarrassed. I was insecure. I was pissed. I was like, what the fuck? I've been so excited to meet all of these people. And now I have these big insecure things on my face. And I can't even put makeup on. I, I can't even put makeup on because my skin is peeling and it won't even take the foundation. I, I can't hide my lips because my whole bottom lip is covered in sores and I'm embarrassed. I'm insecure. I couldn't, I, it was not a time to be pretty. Okay. I totally had to unzip this mask of a person and had to be my energy. This was about me and my soul and my energy. It was not about my physical appearance. There was no possible way it could be about my physical appearance because there was nothing I could do about it. No makeup, cold sores all over my face, peeling ass burnt skin. And here I am in front of 200 people that I have been talking to on calls for the last month. And I could not wait to meet. Okay. So here I am looking at this skull and I'm thinking it is not about my face right now. This is it. Peop, this is not about this shell, this mask that I have. This is about my energy and my essence and what is eternal and what lives on forever. And so I start thinking about what do I want to be remembered for? So again, here's my word. Remember, what do I want to be remembered for? What is my legacy? What do I want to live on after my time has gone and after I have left this body in this personality? And yeah, so what, what do I want to leave behind? What spirit, what teachings, what essence? What do I want to be remembered for? And then the answers start to come. I want to be remembered for helping people remember who they are. I want to be remembered for helping people connect to themselves and others in the universe and this beautiful earth. I want to put a light on in dark places. I want to be remembered for embodying my teaching, teachings and being the example and being the loving, compassionate, humble, integrous human being. I came I came face to face with my own mortality. And for the first time in my life, I faced my own death. And in that moment, what it showed me was how to live. Whoa. In that moment, my own death showed me how to live. What is it that I want to do? And I thought this animal that I found was a coyote. So I, I thought, where did this coyote go? What mountains did he climb? Where did he roam? What things did he do or she? And who was he? Was he an elder? Like, was it a grandma? Was it a pack leader? Like what fights has he fought? And so I started to think about this coyote and all the things that he did. And like, and, and, and me and Sedona doing something that I want to do. I don't care who's going to tell me, no, this is my my life to live, my fight to fight. And because when I leave, that's what I want to be remembered for is like living. So that was pretty, it was pretty big for me in that moment. Um, 
And for the first time in my life, I felt the shortness and the finiteness of us being here on this planet. And first, like when people would say you have one life to live, that would trigger me because I don't believe that. I believe we come back and we live lives again and again. So I don't believe we have one life to live, but what I now what I now know and what I understand from this skull from death is that Danny has one shot. I have one shot as this personality, as this human. And it is short. And one day my bones will be on this earth. And what am I going to do with the time in between now and then? So for the first time, I felt the finiteness and the infiniteness, but I now am not triggered when people say we have one life to live because as this personality, we do, and life is short, but it's also long and there's so much for us to do and explore. So I don't want to be like depressing about it, but I want it almost lit a fire under my ass. Like, what am I going to do next? Um, and what am I doing numbing it? What am I doing not being present and not being fully alive in every single moment? What am I doing not showing up on social media and, and smoking weed and doing this and that and not showing up fully in every single moment? Like, Danny, what the fuck? Get your shit together kind of thing, right? Um, excuse my language, by the way. That was my passion coming out. <laughs> um, yes. And so like, what am I afraid of? And why am I numbing? And maybe it's because I didn't yet have the insight that I am a spirit and I am God. Maybe it's because I didn't fully understand myself and my mission. And maybe I was scared of it. Maybe I was scared of look, looking at that. So takeaways from this, weed. Um, no more wasting time. It's okay to do socially. And it's, okay, it's, it's you know not a forever gone thing, but no more wasting time. Time is precious. Death teaches you how to live. So contemplate maybe on death. And a, a little aside from this is I did a meditation with one of my coaches yesterday, Claire, and it was about death and your own death. And when we contemplate death, it kind of helps us live more fully. So if you're out there not living fully, think about the day that you won't be here. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, jarring. I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. Imagine me out in the desert with this freaking skull in my hand. Okay. <laughs> um, and then also domestication, like we are born to be wild and free and society domesticates us and it puts us in this box and we are not made to be in a box. We are not made to be conditioned. We are made to be wild and free and undomesticated. Yes. And so after a little research, the, the skull that I found was not a coyote. It was a deer. It was a deer skull. And if you remember from my first story about the blue deer that impacted me so much, I was like, it was a deer. Like I couldn't even believe, and my mom always used to call me a deer when I was little. So it was my whole life just kind of was like, whoa. And then I looked up the meaning of the deer. So the reason why I found out it was a deer is because I, when I got home, I looked up the meaning of a coyote and if they're like tricksters and they're playful and like, I'm the meaning didn't resonate with me. And I'm like, I am so not a trickster. 
Like I am very honest and true and uh, I'm not a trickster. So I kept looking up skulls and I was like, you know what? The skull actually didn't have canines. It had like molars and then a big space and then like little weird front teeth. Turns out it's a deer. So I start looking into the deer and it's so beautiful. And I'm so happy I found the deer skull and it resonates with everything that I'm going through. Um, okay, so all the lessons about life and death and the remembrance and the deer skull is about the balance between life and death. And when I was sitting in there with the skull, I kept going life, death, life, death, life, death. Like for whatever reason, I just started to like meditate on that. And, um, and the deer also means spirituality and devotion. And I am so devoted to this path. And I was so devoted to bodybuilding and to cheerleading. Devotion is something that comes very natural for me. And it's a symbol of spiritual authority and regeneration because the antlers fall and then they grow again. In Christianity, it's a symbol of deity or devotion um, and, and God taking care of his creatures his children. And the deer is also a protector of the forest and it's gentle and it's aware and it's sensitive to all the different sounds and it's intuitive, um, innocence and grace and good luck. And that my guides are with me and gratefulness, inner child, keen senses. Yes. So all of this stuff. And it said that deer people have the ability to pick up on things that others do not. Um, there's a lot more going on in the universe than a lot of us realize and deer people know this. And I kind of feel that in my heart and soul because I love to recognize the numbers and the synchronicities and all of the different ways that the universe makes its way and stuff into our life. So the deer resonated so fully to me that it just, it just really did really, really, truly. Um, okay. So let me skip ahead a little bit. Okay. So to breath work, I'm going to go to breath work and then I'm going to come back. So breath work. Let me just take a sip of something. Oh, my cacao. Okay. So breath work. If you've never heard of breath work, it's huge and incredible. And I'm not just thinking, I'm not just talking about pranayama, yogic breathing, nostril breathing. It's not like that. It's actually more along the lines of hyperventilating or holotropic breathing. So our brain releases when we do our brain releases natural DMT. When we do breath work for a long period of time, 40 minutes to an hour, it releases more DMT. And so that's what we got to experience with uh, Lucas Mack and uh, Hella. And so it, we did something called conscious connecting breathing. So it's essentially it, breathing through your mouth, inhaling and exhaling, and we were doing it for about an hour. And so during this, we start to breathe and we're laying like in, on our yoga mats in Shavasana. And as we're doing this, Aubrey comes around to me and he whispers something in my ear and it's basically like, you've got this sister, you're safe, we've got you. And I thought Vailana was with him, his wife, and I thought she put her hands on my head, like in the, like her thumbs on my crown, fingers around my ears. And I thought she was around my head. And so in that moment, I'm like, you know, 10, 15 minutes into the breathing and I start to shake. I mean, like my bracelets are shaking, my feet are shaking, and I'm just like, Whoa. And I, so I keep breathing because I want this to keep going. So I go, I keep going and, and just go into it. Um, and so I'm shaking pretty heavily, trembling, head, head 
to toe, almost levitating off my mat because it's so strong within me. And I hear all these people around me and they are, are crying, they're screaming, they are going through their own experience and it's just very extremely powerful. And so the best way to describe it is I almost felt like I was releasing nervous system stuff because my whole system was awake and my whole system was shaking. And it was, it was like very profound and very powerful. And so I felt like I was releasing or activating or something. And then, so towards the end, maybe like the last 10 minutes, the guide goes over the microphone and he's like, does your, does your, um, higher self have any, any messages for you? And at this point, somebody is still holding my head and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, it's really nice that somebody stayed with me for this full 40 minutes. Like, and I'm thinking, I'm like, is it by Lana? Is it blue? Is it hella? Because it felt like female hands. They they felt small, um, but like I definitely felt fingers on my head for sure. And so at that moment, do you do you the you know I'm asking? I'm like, all right, higher self. So what up? Do you have anything for me? And I heard, don't you see you? Don't you feel you? This is you. This is your divine presence. This is your power, your bliss, your love. Feel yourself, know yourself, touch yourself. Remember this feeling. Because when we're done, this is your job. And I kept hearing my higher self. It was very encouraging, but little forceful. It was like, go, get out there, go, 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 go to the world, stop running, show up on social media because that's your connection to your tribe and to your people. Stop being afraid, go towards the light, share your light, share your magic, share this feeling that you just touched and don't forget, don't forget that this is you. Remember, Simba, remember who you are and go. God. And it was like, no more playing small, just like go. And I'm very much still shaking, convulsing at this point. And then everything starts to calm down. They start to bring down the breath. They're like, everybody, okay, calm down. And my hands were still, my hands started out kind of crunched. They, my hands cramped and my mouth cramped. And that's what happens. I think it's called tetany. I always forget that word tetany. And uh, my hands cramped, my mouth cramped. And as I started to receive these messages, my hands started to open up and they were, my hands were open, my arms were open and they were out beside me. And I started to like receive like through my heart chakra. And so it went from like very much closed in, releasing, like let, like closed in and going through this thing to open and receiving. And it was just beautiful. And then when it was done, I couldn't even sit up. I, I tried to sit up. I was like, no, 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 lay back down. Couldn't sit, lay back down, lay back down. And I was just staring at the ceiling and I was almost overwhelmed. I was dumbfounded. I was, didn't have words. Couldn't even talk right to my friends. They're like, how you doing? And I'm like, um, I don't know, actually. It, that's how intense it was. And my body, because of the shaking and the trembling, felt like I had done a full body workout. Like my feet were dragging after it. I was still kind of, I was, to put it lightly, I, I got rocked, rocked by my own breath. It's so cool by my own breath, right? Like my own supply, like what a beautiful thing. 
So I was just very gentle with myself and I let those lessons set in. And again, remember was my freaking lesson. It kept coming back. And so next thing I want to go into is I think later this day, yeah, later this day, there was a tattoo artist that was with everybody. And I called him and I'm like, hey, I want a tattoo. Will you come to our Airbnb? And so he did. And so the tattoo that I got was the word remember on my wrist and deer antlers on my finger. Because the two things that kept coming up for me this whole time was to remember who I am. And the deer kept showing up for me, the blue deer story, the deer synchronicity on the soul wander, finding the skull, and then all the meanings. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that tattooed on me. So I did. And as he's, as he's tattooing this stuff, my life is flashing before my eyes. So Lion King is my favorite movie ever. I watched it over and over again when I was little, when I got a little older, I printed out the script. I mean, Lion King is like, if you, if I had one movie, that would be it. Lion King. And my favorite part of the movie is when or the most impactful, I don't know about favorite, but I resonate so much with Simba because he goes away to the jungle to do a, a, kuna, makata, a kuna Matata with his friends. And like, I did that. I quit bodybuilding, right? I got off social media. I got dreads. I went to Colorado. I went to go a kuna Matata and let go of all this for a little while. And then the most impactful thing was when Mufasa comes through the clouds at Simba. And he's like, Simba, remember who you are. And for whatever reason, ever since I was little, those words scared me and stuck with me. And now I know why. Like, because that was my journey here. That's everybody's journey is to remember who we are. And then also my teacher, my favorite teacher ever, Ram Das. He has a saying, love, serve, remember, remember. And I have, I feel like um, if we remember who we are, love and service is effortless. We don't have to try to do those things. Once we remember the other two things just fall into place. So remember, it was my childhood, my teacher, my lessons from this plant medicine, my lessons from breath work, my whole, the whole thing that was in my way of me living fully and becoming all of who I am is that I didn't realize who I was. And so these little tattoos are going to be a constant permanent remembrance of that. So those are some big things. And I guess a couple little nuggets that I'll leave you with, um, and this is, I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable with you. You're going to learn a little bit about me, some stuff that I, all right, here we go. So we did a workshop and we had to sit, you know, aside from a partner, different partner, complete stranger each time, which makes it, you know, really vulnerable. And I mean, you're breaking down and crying and telling your deepest, darkest shit to a complete stranger. And it's just like, all right, I'm just here for it. So the first thing we do is a vulnerability exercise. So they ask us to get super, super vulnerable. Say something that you're the most vulnerable about. And so I'm sitting across from my partner and I'm like, my cold sores, 
right now in this moment, I am the most insecure about them. I've probably ever been in my life. Um, we did a couple like the eye gazing exercise that we did. They were like, look at your partner's lips. And I just had to freaking sit there and have them look at my lips. And I felt so insecure, so vulnerable. And I was crying. I let it out and I was crying. And like I told you guys before, like I was so excited to meet these people and, and I felt myself pulling away a little bit and that sucked a little bit, you know? So there was that, the vulnerability exercise. And we did eye gazing, which if you've never done eye gazing, do it at home with your friend or your partner and just look into their eyes and just breathe. Try not to, I mean, if you blink, it's okay, but just everything around you starts to blur and fade and get black or white. And just you, all you see is these people's eyes. So that was a wild experience for me. And with the person I was eye gazing with, I felt so safe. And he, it was a man, it, it, I felt just connected to him and he, I felt very safe and seen and he didn't care about my cold sores or anything else. He was just almost like, it's okay. Like, I see you, I see you and it's okay. Um, and then we did something called the anti-debate exercise where we had to channel, we had to think about, you know, something that we disagree with. And so for me, it's, it's eating animals. And I'm sorry if I'm triggering some of you right now, but there was a time in my life where I ate a ton of animals all day long, seven times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks was freaking chicken and meat. And now I think 100% differently about that. And I, so that was kind of my anti-debate was I had to tap into somebody who's still eating meat and see it from their point of view. And it was incredibly hard for me because I don't see animals as food. I see them as life and as consciousness and as beautiful creatures of this planet. And we can survive off of plants. In fact, we're healthier for it. And it might take a little bit more learning, but, but, but so that was my anti-debate thing. And I don't want to get into it all now, but that's kind of where I, where I stand with it. So I had to do that. And the last thing I'm going to share with you guys, and it's going to let you in a little bit on Okay. It was a shame exercise. What are we ashamed of? And something I'm ashamed of has to do with when I was competing, when I was doing really good at competing. And this is something I have only shared with my conscious champions. Okay. I was doing really good on social media and with my YouTube videos. I was eating all the right things and doing the cardio. I was speaking all the right stuff and doing the training. But behind the scenes, I was partying. I was doing a little bit of MDMA. And I did a little bit of cocaine. And a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, it was as I was getting ready for the Olympia. And I was like, well, at least it's not making me fat. And like, I had these dumb, stupid, superficial reasons for it. But that is a shame that I carry with me to this day. Because I think of all the people that were looking up to me and they were looking up to a part of me, sure. But behind closed doors, it wasn't always perfect. And it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows and this sparkly little perfect competitor that everybody saw. And... I carry that with me. 
And I don't know if I've still fully forgiven myself for that, but, and sometimes I think the reason why I got second place in 2016 was because I was doing stuff like this. And vibrationally speaking, if you want something, you have to become the vibration to match it. And what I was going for was Miss Olympia. And I was like 99% Miss Olympia. But behind closed doors, there was that 1% where I wasn't. And so why would I get first place? I know better. Vibrationally, I know better. And I knew better then too. And I don't know if it was a little bit of self-sabotage. Was I afraid of success? Was I afraid of my life changing? Was I afraid of my power and all of these people looking up to me? Like, what was it? So that is something I still carry with me because I was given this beautiful opportunity to be the best in the world at something, to have all of these eyes and all these beautiful competitors who are looking up and inspired to me. And that's what I was doing. Now, I think very differently about that. I learned my lesson. I'm learning my lesson. I'm not perfect. And that's why this card sits on my desk right here. If you're watching the YouTube version of this and it says second chances bring success. So I can be reminded of my second chance every single day. So that is a little bit of shame that I carry with me. And now you guys know. I'm on my way to forgiving myself about it, but it's, um, yeah, big lesson for me. Okay, so, I, so the last thing that I'm gonna leave you guys with is, or two, I have two more things actually. Um, so we did inner child work and now, you know what, now that we're on the inner child work, I'm gonna read you a little thing that I wrote to myself um, yesterday and I posted it on my social media. And when we were doing this work, we were looking at pictures of ourselves and speaking to ourselves about some of the things that, you know, maybe we're still holding on to. And if you guys don't do any inner child work, let me tell you, we are who we are right from zero to seven, maybe even in the womb and before that. So and our parents are not perfect and we will not be perfect parents either. So there is some stuff that you're going to have to unwind. There's certainly some stuff I'm going to have to unwind. Um, and so as I looked at this little picture, I might look at, look at this. That's me. But oh my God, I'm so cute. Stop it. And I look at this little face and my little hands and I'm like, I just want to squeeze her because her childhood was not easy at all. And it was far from perfect. And I had to grow up very quickly. Um, you know, my parents kind of did the custody, my parents divorced when I was two, they did the custody battle thing for a while with me and my sister. Um, my mom was an alcoholic. She's so awesome, much better now and totally sober, but I, that's, that was my childhood. And it was just me, my mom and my sister. And so I'm the older sister. So I kind of had to be, you know, in a way, just more aware than a five-year-old should have to be. But I don't, I thank her. I thank everybody for their experiences because 
I was so loved by my aunt, by my uncles, by my mom, by my dad. And even though they weren't perfect, they made me who I am today. And I wouldn't change a fucking thing. So I'm going to read you this little thing that I wrote to my inner child. And yes, and maybe, maybe it'll prompt you to write a little note to your inner child too. Okay. Dear Danny, it's going to be okay. And you're going to be a wonderful human being and love so many people with your wide open heart. What you are going through now is going to make you who you are later. Everything is perfect and nothing is your fault. Look around at how loved you are. That's all you need to know right now is love. I know it's confusing and I know you can't quite understand things just yet, but you will when you are older and one day it will all make sense. You have to grow up quick, but you will still have so much time to play as an adult. Your sister will be as close to you as ever. Keep holding hands. You need each other. Keep those big brown eyes open and aware of everything around you. The wonder of the universe, the love, the miracles that find their way into your life. Keep that little mind curious, investigate and question everything. Keep those little hands busy and experience and learn from all that you can. Keep that heart open and love without boundaries. I can't wait for you to see who you become and what you get to do. You're a special one and your journey, although not easy, is perfect for you and you can handle everything coming your way. You are so strong and brave. Thank you. I see you. I love you. Love always, Danny. So that was my letter to this little one. Um, so that was the inner child work and it's still processing and still working its way through me. I wrote that just the other day. And, um, and then just a quick little thing about the masculine and feminine. So we did masculine feminine work and I won't get into all the practices, but the, the most impactful thing for me was when all the women got in a circle holding hands and all the men got in a circle around them. And the men bowed down at our feet, held on to our ankles and were kneeling on their knees and had their head down bowing to us. And that was so impactful. And all the women were crying because I don't think we are honored the way that we should be. We're in a very patriarchy. Our society is, why can't I say that word? is governed by men. It's a male dominated thing, but we are so strong and we are the creators in this universe. We create, we are powerful. We are goddess. We are divine. And I don't think I have ever felt honored and respected and revered like that until that moment. And that was so impactful for me. Um, hang on one second. that was so impactful for me because I don't think until that moment, um, I knew that I was a queen and that I should be honored. And all of you out there should be honored. And the men too, this doesn't just go for females, like the men out there, honor your queen and all the Queens out there, honor your King and look at them. Like they are, like they are your counterpart King and queen. Um, because they are, and I don't, 
I now look at my husband like that. And I told him a little bit about this story, but I can only hope that he looks at me like that. But he, the biggest thing is I look at me like that. And that's something I have never done. I've always tried to be X, Y, and Z in order to get love or in order to be loved. And um, hang on, I just need a little bit more time for my next call <laughs> um, in order to be loved. But I think the most important thing is once we can feel that, that queen, that goddess, that power within us, once we feel that, then we teach other people how to treat us. Because how could people treat us in a way that we don't even treat ourselves yet? As within, so without. As within, you need to feel it first. If you want somebody to love you, love you first. If you want somebody to treat you differently, treat you different first. So that was a big lesson about the feminine. And I'm not just this body. I'm not just a sex symbol. I'm a sensual beautiful creator. And so are you. And that's awesome. <laughs> okay. So let me just see. <sighs> okay. The last thing I'm going to leave you with was the last part of this summit for me, which was the ecstatic dance with Savage. And please look him up. Savage, S-A-V-E-J. And they did a basically, and he's a DJ. And they played a set in the desert and I put back on my headdress. I got in my outfit and this was the last hour, last two hours that we had all together as a group, kind of, this was like the camp vibe. And, um, this was my time to celebrate and integrate. And I put that headdress on and I was like, give me space, everybody. I'm about to get down. And I was right in front of the DJ and in front of the speakers in front of the fire. And I just let my body rip for like, I don't know, two hours, my legs were sore. They were getting a pump and I could, I couldn't stop dancing and I didn't want to stop dancing, but I could feel all the lessons and all the everything and just all the freedom integrating into my body. And it wasn't, and I let go of the cold sores, right? Like I learned the lesson about that. I remembered who I am. So as I was there sitting there dancing to like my favorite music ever, and he played liquid bloom, which is also some, he played some of my favorite liquid bloom music ever. So I got to dance in the desert under the full moon, right next to the speakers with my headdress on. And I just let the energy and universe rip through me. God, and it was so good. I can bring myself back to that moment. And it was just divine and incredible and perfect, perfect, perfect timing. Yeah. Yes. So I danced, I breathed, I did all of these amazing things. And then on the way back to Phoenix, Janet, my friend came to get me. And this is another part of the divine orchestration. She, I have known for a couple of years now, and we've been online. We've been Instagram friends. She was a guest coach on conscious champion. I talked to her literally like every day. <laughs> and she's one of my yoga inspirations. She's this beautiful, just human. And she teaches yoga and she's a coach. And, um, I look up to her for so many reasons. And I also see myself in her and we're friends. We're like best friends. 
And I finally got to meet her in person and her husband. And we went out to lunch. I stayed at her house. And then to end the trip, we went to a yoga class to her yoga studio where she gets to learn and she does her teacher training. She brought me there and we had a super powerful class and I have not had good yoga like that in a couple of years. So my, I needed that for so many reasons. I missed good music. I missed a good teacher. I missed the soul of yoga. And I got to experience that next sitting on my mat next to me was freaking Janet Havanga, one of my best yoga friends. And just to cap off the trip was that. So like I said, divinely orchestrated from the sunrise before I took off to the yoga before I took off to go back home. Everything was so perfectly timed. And I am so grateful for this experience and for all the people I got to meet at Fit for Service, for the shaman, for the plants, for the medicine, for the teachers, for everything. And these lessons are still integrating. They're still here. They're still with me. I'm not done learning from them yet. And I'm still not done remembering. So I share, I share that with all of you with that passion because I am no different than you. These lessons are not just mine to learn. And although I was the one who went to Sedona, I come back with these things to teach. And if you have any questions, if you want to talk to me further about this, like, please contact me. My email is ifbbdanny at gmail.com. My Instagram is danny.reardon and message me there. Let's connect and let's remember and be on this journey together because we're all in this together. We're walking each other home. And that is just what this is all about. And I'm just going to read my poem one more time, because now that you've heard the story of all of this, I'm just going to sink it all in and settle it and close out this podcast. And thank you. Thank you all so much for listening and for joining and for supporting me on my journey. All right, here we go. Wait, one more sip of cacao. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey, they say. Hands up and enjoy the ride. A journey through the red rocks of Sedona and the plants start out as my guide. Everywhere to go, everything to see, but nowhere to actually hide. A journey through my life's biggest questions. Who am I really and what am I here to do? Well, buckle up, buttercup, because the only way out is through. A journey to the heart to remember who we really are. The ants so small, the mountains so big, the tribe right here, and even the ancestors from really far. A journey to that place in us where we can't give a damn, where we can't find a fear. The place where we look in the mirror and realize we are the magical blue deer. A journey into my own breath, getting high on my own supply. Don't you see you? Don't you feel your power? Open your eyes and spread your wings. It's time, little dragonfly. Talking to my highest self, feeling my I am presence and what I now know to be true. Remembering my infinite nature and the fact that I am me, I am God, and I am also you. A journey to heal my wounded masculine and feel my essence as divine feminine power. I am a sensual goddess, a noble queen, a desert rose, a blooming exotic flower. Our journey holding the hands of bright-eyed little me. A journey through time to see her, to love her, 
to set her little heart free. I journey into my body through music, song, and the ecstaticness of dance. I moved my body like never before. I closed my eyes and took a chance. A journey to the wild and free that really is undomesticated me, you see. Remember who I am. I am the coyote. I am the river. I am the you. I am the tree. I am energy collapsing at my core. I am the infinite singularity of me. I journey with a tribe and somewhere, somehow, we've all been here together before. Each one of us a reflection of the other, a portal, a mirror, a wide open universe door. Oh, what clear intentions can do to a journey or a trip. What would you do if you knew you had one rip? One rip in time, one rip as this you, to become something, to shine something. Oh, the infinite things we could do. Would you love? Would you serve? Would you remember what's true? Would you find a tribe or a mountain to climb? Would you run away? Would you numb yourself and hide? What is that one thing you would love to leave behind? Enjoy the journey, they say. Hands up and enjoy the ride. You are the one you've been looking for. You are the guru, the chosen one. You, my darling, are your best and only guide. Remember these words and remember what's true. For this is about my journey to Sedona, but I'm walking home with you. The end. Thank you all so much for listening, for loving, for supporting. I love you. I'll see you on the next one. Peace. Mm -hmm.